amount of sin that can outdo you, Father. There's no amount of walking away from you that you won't say, hey, come back. And Father, I thank you so much for that this morning. That although sin might uh, reign on this earth and death might reign on this earth, Lord, we, we, we can have life in Jesus Christ. We can have life in your name, Father. All because of one thing. Father, you conquered death. And for that, Lord, we are, we are eternally grateful. We don't want to take that for granted. But Father, this morning, I know that you want to move. You want to take us from one place to a different place because where we're at right now, Father, we, we, we can't arrive. We don't want this to be the best that there is. <laughs> Father, we know that you're always trying to advance your kingdom and advance your children. So this morning, Father, we want to be advanced. We want to move forward. And God, I just pray that the word affects our hearts and not the personality up front, Father, that it is just the word of God that uh, cuts through the flesh today. So, Father, we love you. We thank you. I pray that you have your way this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You guys can be seated. You can be seated. I feel like I got to move the stand all the way up here because nobody wants to sit up front. <laughs> That's okay. Welcome this morning. Uh, thank you for being here. You could have decided to go anywhere else on a Sunday morning, but you've decided to come hang out with us. And so for that, I always say that I'm grateful, grateful for every, every person in the seat this morning. Uh, we're going to be obviously continuing in the book of Romans this morning. Probably going to close out the chapter because it's, it's verses 12 through, through 21 and it's a massive thought. Uh, sometimes we can't get past one verse um, and this is a lot of verses. More than we, we're, we're used to breaking off. But uh, there's some really, really good stuff in there. Stuff that we can pull out and, and just see how Paul, God is using Paul to speak to his audience and now making a distinction between two individuals. Uh, previous chapters, Paul used Abraham. And Abraham's faith, what we read in uh, Genesis 15 to 21, Abraham's story and how Abraham is the father of our faith uh, in the sense that he's the epitome of what we should uh, model our faith to be like. Um, well beyond his years had a child, and was the father of many nations. Um, that's the extremely short version right there. Don't have time to go through the whole thing. <laughs> but we're going to move to a set of scripture here that uh, takes two individuals, Adam and Jesus, and basically compares them. Uh, in studying this, a lot of uh, the commentaries that I've read and just, just stuff that I, that I read throughout the week to kind of see what other people are saying. Um, to be honest with you, I like commentaries, but I don't like commentaries because it's just another opinion on the Word, whereas we need Scripture to interpret Scripture through the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? You always want Scripture to talk to you rather than someone else talking to you. But this is considered a... a portion of scripture that is just entitled the two men. A lot of commentaries call it the two men. Adam and Jesus. And I'm going to get to reading this here in a second. Um, but what Paul does all through Romans, and we see this from verse 1 all the way up until now, 
is that he's always setting us straight. If we have a mentality that's kind of off, what he'll do is before we even get to making a point, he, want, he, he says, all right, here's, here's the foundation of where we've come from. Here's the foundation of who we are. Here's the foundation of who Christ is. Here's what sin is. Here's what walking away from God is, obedience and its, uh, excuse me, disobedience and its consequences. That was all of chapter 2. He spends time getting people all on the same page so that he can then make a point. And he does that here in verses 12, 13, and 14. And then from 15 through the rest of the chapter, he makes his point. Comparing Jesus and Adam and, and literally what they brought to this world. So let's read this. Are you guys with me up until now? Okay, good. Let's read this. Because what we're going to see here is two characteristics, two principles. And we have a choice. Let me just say that follow either of those principles. Both principles have consequences. Both principles have an end result. I'm going to say it, one's good and one is bad. <laughs> but on a daily basis, ladies and gentlemen, when you are in a place where you can't think straight, where there's a hundred billion things going on in your day, uh, those little small things begin to, in a sense, tick you off. <laughs> One thing turns into five things, turns into, oh my goodness, the world is ending type. There's something that causes that. We're going to get to that. We're going to get at that. But when you're in the midst of the storm, and yes, the whole world is crashing, but nobody can tell because you got the love of Christ on you, we're going to get to that as well. Amen? Amen? So let's read this. Verses 15... 21, excuse me, 12 through 21. Ah, uh, says, therefore, just as through one man sin, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where the law is, where, where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died. Much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in the life through the one Jesus Christ. Verse 18, so then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. 
the law came in so that the transgressions, the transgression would increase. And here's my favorite verse of this whole thing. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a big chunk of scripture. And if you go back and read it, it's kind of like he goes back and forth so many times and says the same thing over and over, but in a different way. It's good. It's, it's the difference between what Adam brought into this world and what Jesus brought into this world. From verses 12, 13, and 14, there's a uh, getting everybody on the same page, saying, look, we have to understand that before we're even born, we're considered sinners. Why? Because of something that somebody did who we've never seen. We've only read. We've had no contact with. But because of the decision that he made, we are considered in our flesh sinners. Now there's this uh, uh, narrative, let me say that, within the church using that word, I am a sinner. Okay, we brought into this world as a sinner, but I think it's very important for us to understand that at some point, that point being salvation, that word changes. That word no longer exists because of what Jesus did. Now, we continue to sin. All right, don't, don't get me wrong in saying that. And there are consequences to sin. But 2 Corinthians 5.17, when you become a new creation, the old is gone and the new is, is here. We're, we're no longer sinners. We may be sinful, but not sinners because of the transformation that happened in here. Does that make sense? You guys are with me this morning. Okay, so those, those first three verses communicate that. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, I want you to know that the mortality rate on this earth since the beginning of time is 100%. <laughs> Everybody's going to die. All right, that's a truth. That's a fact. We have to deal with that. As you watch people walk up and down the street or you are sitting across the, I don't know where you guys work, maybe it's in a place with cubicles, okay? The guy who's the cubicle three down and two over, who's just always blaring that crazy music and you just can't stand it. He's got to deal with death too. We all have to deal with death because of a decision that was made by Adam. Now, I'm not going to get too much into Adam's story, Adam and Eve's story in the, in the, in the garden. However, I will say this because I, I believe that it's, it's very important for us to understand that Eve was deceived. So women, you have to do everything you can to keep yourself from deception, from being deceived. That's the nature of a woman's sin, let me say that. What is it for a man? It's pride. Because Adam knew, because God told him, do not eat of this fruit, and he did it anyway. So it's not that Eve <laughs> ate the apple, <laughs> it's that Adam let it happen, because he knew it wasn't supposed to be that way. So this goes to, I mean, we could preach on this for months, structure how the Lord has asked uh, the man to be responsible for what goes on in his household, as I am even responsible for what goes on in his church. Uh, because of one man, all of mankind now has to deal with the penalty of sin, which is what? 
death. That is what is communicated in those first three verses. Um, verse 14, again, never, never, excuse me, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam. Basically saying you didn't have to sin like Adam in order to uh, uh, be considered sinful. It's sin, period. And then the last part of this, it says, over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is the type of him who was to come. Now, there's a big H there. What does that mean? Who is the type of him who was to come? That's basically segueing into, okay, now let me talk about Jesus as well. Because if you think about it, Adam, before he bit that apple, before he sinned, he was perfect. Now, Jesus, when he was here on, the, on this earth, was what? Perfect. So you got two individuals who are kings who made two decisions. One, a not very good decision, that we all are, uh, how do I say it, bene beneficiaries of. <laughs> and one who remedied that decision. We get into the explanation basically of this gift and of the gospel of Jesus Christ from 15 to 21. And how this, it says the gift is not like the transgression. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. Abound to the many. In other words, saying, being made available to the many. We didn't have a choice with Adam. But we have a choice with Christ. I don't have a choice when it comes to being born into this world as a sinner. But I had a choice when the Lord got my heart to a place where I recognized that my flesh was insufficient. And there had to be a decision that was made to step into a relationship with Christ and therefore huh, be a beneficiary of that. And you gotta, does that make sense? We're getting to the front end of these two principles and the results of what you choose to step into on a daily basis. Yes, we are sinful, but you don't have to choose that. You don't. Because of this free gift that results in justification um, rather than condemnation. Are you guys with me this morning? Yes. Verse 16, the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. It's not like what it came through Adam. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression. From one transgression resulting in something. Resulting in condemnation. Now that's one track. That's one principle. Your sin, when it arises, will result, excuse me, result in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions. All of our collective sin. This gift arose from that. Resulting in justification. That's the other principle. That's the other track. Uh, and it's 
difference between the two obviously is monumental, but it's a, it's, it's a very small difference in thinking, I guess, in, in the way that you let yourself think on a daily basis. I hope that made sense, because <laughs> that came out a little bit. It sounded better in my head, let me say that, <laughs> before I said it. But verse 17, for, for if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. One of these principles will leave you dead. Does that make sense? You will die. If you continue to have this mindset, let's just call it a sinful mindset, to choose sin, it is communicating to us something that is very, what, real. Mortality rate is, what, 100%. <laughs> well, you can be dead while you're walking up and down these, these aisles. You can be dead while you're sitting in these seats right now. And that's, that's the part of this that is just very real this morning. It says death reigned through that one transgression. Sin, within sin, living in that, and anything that's connected to it will bring death to your life. That's a real statement. However, <laughs> love that there's a however. It talks about the life that will reign because of Jesus Christ. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is something that we must choose. Not only one, one and done, salvation, we're good, but every single day. Are you with me this morning? I don't want to be preaching to dead people. I'm not saying that I am. Because as I talk to you, you know, during the little meet and greet break time, you guys seem alive, like the Lord's doing stuff in you. It's great. What about those areas of your life that you're dying? What's, what's going on there? I guarantee it's connected to something that isn't of Jesus. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to tell you what your sin is. We don't want to put that out on display. Please, God, no. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but the, the scripture is communicating that death is connected to sin. If there's any place in your life that you are dead, let's just, let's just get at it. Confess the sin. It's easy. It's not one, two, three. Uh, I think I did three. Maybe I need to go back to two. And there's this list of steps on how to confess. No, the Lord just said, stop. Put yourself away, Luke 9, 23, and just live. Confess it. Just get it out. And then let's move on. Amen? Amen. Come on now. There's a word of God this morning. We should just be through monkey flips. As my dad would say, jumping around like a whole mess of frogs. <laughs> I've never seen that, but I want to someday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Must be a Texas thing. Um, verse 18. So then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through the one act of righteousness, there we have one word, righteousness, there resulted justification of the life, of life, excuse me, to all men. And here we go in verse 19. For as through one man's disobedience, here we go with the word obedience, the many were made sinners, 
even so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. Man, that humbles me. That here is a man who is perfect in Adam, who was told not to eat of this tree, knowledge of good and evil. He did it anyway. That's a disobedient act. Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days, excuse me, yeah, 40 days. I almost said 40 years. 40 days being tempted by the enemy, by the devil. Didn't even crack. Was fully God and fully man and was able to be obedient through all of that. Now you're sitting, to, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, yeah, well, it was Jesus. Come on. <laughs> well, he lives in you. Right? So who's to say that we can't be that same person? To think that we can't puts us in a place where it says, Jesus, you're not who you say you are. And you didn't do what you did. Basically saying that walking out of the tomb was null and void. If all of his character is available to us, and all of his character is in us, then why can't we be that obedient? We can. We just can. <laughs> I, love, I love it. You guys with me this morning on that? Now, real quick, turn over to Philippians 2.8. Sorry, I don't have this on the slides for you. A little cross-reference here as I was reading last night. Uh, Philippians 2.8 says this. It just supports what was just said in verse 19. This is talking about Jesus being found. Again, Philippians 2. Verse 8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. If my obedience was to that depth, who? Some of the stuff that I'm dealing with right now, I probably just wouldn't even be dealing with it. Being obedient to, to death. Again, that's a... That's a characteristic of God that is available to us. Now he's, ah, I don't want to speak for God. I can't jump out in front of him and say that. But I don't want us to be afraid that if we get so obedient that the Lord's just going to wipe us out. Like all of a sudden, death is it. Um, but it's what's behind the obedience to that point that I think is is what, what's noted, the heart behind that. Like the Lord is asking us to just be obedient. I think I preached a message uh, maybe a month ago or so, and I opened up with a statement saying that the gospel doesn't need your help. It doesn't need you to add or subtract. It just needs your obedience. It just needs you to say it, because it'll do what it needs to do. <laughs> Same thing. The Lord doesn't need your help in doing anything because it's not performance-based. He just needs you to be who he created you to be and let the Spirit work through you and it all take care of itself. Seems like an easy thing to say. Yes, it is. Seems like it's harder to do. Well, why is it harder to do? Well, because we choose sin sometimes. That's why it's hard. Let's wrap. Let's wrap this up. Here we go. The obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. That's end of verse 19. 
Now here's a diagnostic statement. It says the law came in so that the transgression would increase. The reason why we have Genesis to Revelation, the reason why the law was given in the time of Moses was simply for it to be diagnostic in nature. What the Jews did, and, and we read this in, in you know, chapters 1 through uh, 4 pretty much, the Jews took the law out of context and said, I'm justified by my works. Um, entire chapter 4 is justification by faith. Half of chapter 3, justification by faith. Why did Paul need to say that? Well, because the Jews had a little different mindset on, on the, what the law would do for them. That the law would allow them to get to heaven. And that's not it. I think we've covered that. Everybody in here hopefully knows that. <laughs> justification by works doesn't get you anywhere. It may get you a pat on the back, but you can't take none of what you got to heaven. So what are you working for? Right? So this statement in verse 20, the law came in so that the transgression would increase. The law is there so that we just can recognize sin. Because without the law, I would not have known what sin is. And to support that with a, a cross-reference, I think if you just go to Romans 7, I think it's verse 7. Yes, just over a couple chapters, here's what it says. It says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. So that's not my opinion saying that the law is only there to show me my sin. That, that's what the word says. So it's simply just diagnostic in nature. The second half of this narrative is that, if I remember how I said this correctly, um, the law is to a cure as an X, no, the law is to salvation, sorry, as an X-ray is to a cure. Does that make sense? The law is to salvation as an X-ray is to a cure. The only thing an X-ray can do is show you what the problem is, but it can't fix anything. That's what the law is. It can just show you what the problem is, but it can't fix anything. Who fixes it? The blood of Jesus. I'll get off of this verse. I'm sorry. You guys are like, keep reading. Come on. <laughs> the law came in so that the transgression would increase. But where sin increased, grace abound all the more. <laughs> I love that. There is no amount of sin that can outdo God. That's what that is saying. So when you feel like a wretched, just dirty, man, I can't believe I let myself do that or say that or treat that person that way or, God, what is going on? I got some character issues. He's saying, we can get at that, but I want you to know that that's never, ever going to be greater than I am. What does that mean? We just go sin and sin and it'll be okay and there's going to be more grace that abounds because we're just going to sin more. No, I think God will deal with you on that one. But he's saying there's nothing on this earth that you can do that is as bad as you can think that will outdo my grace and love for you. Whew. Man, that is humbling. If that don't make you like want to weep, I don't know if Jesus is real to you. I'm just kidding. If you're not crying right now, like, oh gosh, I gotta start crying because 
Jesus has to be real. <laughs> no. Hopefully that releases you from beating yourself up about all the stuff that you've done. And makes you want to not do that anymore. It's not the, oh man, I used to do this when I was young. I would go to my mom and ask for something before I go ask my dad because I could pull the, you know, son cord heartstrings and my mom, <laughs> I could probably get her to say yes before I go to my dad. <laughs> and then she'd say, go ask your dad. I'd be like, mm, I can't do nothing. <laughs> See, God, we don't want to treat God like that. To just always kind of come back and say, oh, forgive me. I know that you forgive me, but I'm going to go do the same thing. Uh, we don't want to ask and get close to him just for rest, like the Israelites did so many times. As soon as they had rest, they were back doing the very same thing that, that got them to that point. So I hope that, uh, I just want to say that to make sure that our minds don't, don't necessarily go there. But where sin increased, grace abound all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I tried to get a little bit personal by talking to you guys about the things in your life that are dead. Now, I don't know everyone's personal details in here. But if the Lord is speaking to you about one of those areas, I, I've had it on me since yesterday that the Lord just wants to move this morning. And I don't know what it is specifically. But if being in Him means letting life reign, why, why do we run away from that? I'm saying this morning, the Lord wants to give life to somebody in here where you are dead, where you are ready to quit, where you're falling flat on your face over and over, and it just doesn't make sense, and you cannot do it on your, on your own anymore. He wants to breathe life to that. Yes. He wants you to choose life this morning. Yes. Amen? Um, let me get the, uh, the worship team back up here. Uh, as we close and uh, get prepared for our offering. Now, I don't know how the Lord really wants to, to orchestrate this quite yet. Uh, hey, you guys can come on up here. Here we go. Right on, right on. <laughs> I love the help. I love the help. Let's pray for this and then let's just see how the Lord wants to close this, this service and get at this stuff. Father, thank you so much for um, how you move on us, Lord. And you do it in such a way that is, is gentleman-like. Uh, and Lord, you never force us to, any, to do anything. However, we understand what it's like to be separated from you uh, in the decisions that we make. Because the result is never good. So, Father, we want to make a decision this morning to be connected because the result of that, Father, is, is always good. So as we give this morning, Father, I pray that we give from a place of, of joy. And, Lord, if it's not from a place of joy, then we to not give because you're not going to bless that, Father. We just want to be a blessing to you. 
in, a, in being obedient as your children. So I pray that what is what is given this morning, Lord, you would you would bless it so that we can bless you with it in uh, what we do here at ESS and the vision that you've put in us. So thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can go ahead and pass that. Let's listen to what Tony has for us this morning here. And this, this ties in with the message that uh, it was very, at the very, very last minute that, because I've been reading this, the scripture, and it tied right into what Pastor Alex was saying at the very end. Because no one said it was going to be easy, right? No one ever said being a Christian was going to be easy. No one. And I read about the, the Apostle Paul in the book of Colossians. And it's in the first chapter, in the very last verse, verse 29. And, and, and I'm saying this because I want you to pray for Apostle Johnny, Pastor Alec, Pastor Beck, and Pastor Rick. And pray for your leaders, because they really need the covering of Christ upon them as they go ahead to build this church. And it talks here in verse 29, Colossians chapter 1, says, to this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which is so powerfully works in me. The power of God so powerfully works in our pastors. And it's not easy, because they hold this church up. And they are working through this whole Rocky Mountain region to build the church of Jesus up the glory and honor of Jesus Christ and then it's and then another verse in chap and, and verse 1 and chapter 2 says I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those in this church I'm talking about Pastor Alec I'm talking about Pastor Rick I'm talking about uh, Pastor Beck and Apostle Johnny and the leaders of this church they struggle but yet they do it with the joy and the power of God in them and I want you to know that they need your prayers. This last verse says it so well because how it ties in to the message. It says, for in Christ, okay, I'll give you the verse too. Chapter 2, verse 9, okay? It says, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ who is the head over every power and authority so we are just not gonna let the devil push us around all right yeah that's it that's it haven't we had enough of that but guess what he continues to try to push us around he continues to try to make our pastor struggle yeah. he continues to try to tell pastor johnny it's never gonna work but i can tell you it's gonna work because we have that power that he has given us over all that authority of wickedness and evil that's out there. Yeah. We have Jesus Christ who defeated death and sin and Satan. We have Jesus Christ. That's why we have a pastor here that is so very well has been so very well discipled by the, the, the apostle that we have here in Pastor Johnny. 
And I want you to know that God is, is doing something in this church. And he's moving in a powerful way. And he, no, he hasn't quit on us. No, he didn't say it was going to be easy. But we have the power and the authority given yeah. to us from God to come against all that other wickedness out there. Yeah. And I stand in the, right here in the presence of the mighty God that I love very much to let you know, hang in there. Hang in there. He never gave up on us. He's never given up on us. May God bless you all. Have a good day. Be blessed. Come on. Come on now. Let's give uh, Tony a, a hand there. You know, he made a very, very uh, important statement there that uh, coming out of Colossians that we have that power. We have that authority. See, what I've learned in ministry is that uh, it's one thing to kind of speak about people's crap, the dirtiness. It's another thing to speak to them according to who they are. So if somebody's struggling with being... Uh, got some immorality in their life you don't say hey the Lord wants to show that he says the Lord's calling you at a higher level of purity you see that see how it's encouraging you see how it's not let's just take your sin and just display it all over the place but see I want to speak to you guys according to who you are this morning man. that you have the authority of God sitting right behind your sternum you have the power that rose Jesus from the dead at your fingertips walk and be that person that will bring life to that dead situation because you're not even going to think about the dead situation anymore. You're going to have spending too much time. You're going to be spending too much time living in the power and the authority of who Christ is. Amen. So let's stand to our feet. We're going to close. I'm going to do this. If, if you want prayer for that, just come on down. I'll lay hands on you. <laughs> uh, and we'll sing this song and I'll close the service. But... As we're singing, sing from a place knowing that you have that authority. And if you want it, ask for it right now. Ask for it right now. And if you want prayer for it, come on down here. It doesn't matter. We're just going to kind of bask in this one for a little bit, all right? Go ahead, Jerry. Death hold you. The veil's before you. You silence the Sin and grave, and heavens are roaring. The praise of your glory.